Blue Hen Sports Cage on 91.3 WVUD with Teddy Gelman. I feel like I need to stand up in studio here and kind of experiment with how that would work. Brandon Halvek. Their whole defensive line has been arrested once or twice over the past two years. Ahmed Quadri. Yankees are fun to watch, end quote. That's it. That's all I ever said. And Jake Lampert. Eat more chicken. There you go. I'll throw a slogan in there if anyone here is uh, working for Chick-fil-A and wants to throw me some sandwiches. It's Sports Talk Radio on 91.3 WVUD. Welcome to the cage. Not so great news. Kevin Anderson, knee and knee surgery today. The talented point guard for the Delaware men's basketball team. He's out for the season. He's average, he averaged just under 14 points a game. But he did a lot more than that. He got his teammates involved. He was a good defender. He was a breath of fresh air for this team. And now he's gone for the season for a men's basketball team that got, I guess, a breath of of what the CAA is like in the loss to Charleston, in which they were pretty much very competitive for a large portion of the game before they ended up losing that 93-78 to on Tuesday. William and Mary, they play tomorrow night. The team is now 8-7 and overall, 1-1 in the CAA. The loss of Anderson certainly hurts. The question now is, how much does it hurt? Well, where do we go from here? You go, Anderson goes down. How do you fill that void? It was it was actually a pretty big hole left with Anderson, like Teddy just talked about. You go, and we tell, we had this entire conversation a few shows ago of this Anthony Mosley, Kevin Anderson, with Kevin Anderson starting to take over more minutes. <laughs> yeah. We're starting to now. So much for that. Now we're going to see Anthony Mosley taking more reps and he's now going to be somebody who we're going to have to talk about a lot more. I don't know if that's a good or a bad, but we're going to have to, because Anthony Mosley, I I think is the one that's going to benefit. Yeah. um, I don't want to say benefit off an injury, but benefit the most from this. Here's my question. And this is kind of a serious question. The answer is probably no, but do you kind of reach into the, uh, the reserves here and do you really touch Connor Rufo at all or any of these other guys? (laughs) Or do you just play like, do you just play Alan Moore? Because the bench is ridiculously thin now. I don't mean to sound rude, but you can't. Okay. If you're going to compete, they're playing That's a six-man rotation right now. No, but That's you know. what they have to do. Yeah. Right now, in the last three games that Kevin Anderson missed, there's really no place to increase minutes for anybody. Allen's playing 39.3 minutes a game. Daly's playing 38.6, as is Anthony Mosley. Bryant's playing 32 off the bench. That's the thing that's going to be the question mark all season long now is how tight this team is going to have to play. They're going to play six-man, maybe seven-man rotation, but they've shown a reluctance to put Sky Johnson on the floor, and that's all they have. We don't know when Jacob Cushing's coming back. Derek Woods is off the team. I don't think you can play Lochner and Rufo in serious games. Sky Johnson is not Anderson a, is out. Yeah, Sky Johnson's not There's a, nowhere left to turn. You have to play these guys 35-plus minutes every single game for what, 15, 16, 17 more games just until you get to the tournament. That's the, I mean, they have talent on this team, but that is going to be what I think holds them back. And I don't know how you counter that now with Anderson out for the year. I'm looking at a stat sheet right now, and this is not an updated stat sheet, including the last game. So my minutes uh, per game are different than what Brandon just said. These are older minutes. You're either playing 35, 36, 37 minutes a game, or you're playing eight minutes a game like Sky Johnson's playing. There's there's no in between. There's you're the lowest of the upper tier is Darian Bryant, and then the highest of the lower tiers you're getting like Sky Johnson, Jacob Cushing, or Kyrie Walker. I I think we need to get like Ahmed said, reach deeper into the bag of tricks. We need to, but I don't think we can. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough because we have gotten to this rhythm of five or six players, seven players seeing the court over and over again, these players have gotten to, into a rhythm of playing with these guys. I don't think you could break that rhythm even because of a big injury like we just well, had. I don't even know if it's about breaking the rhythm as you just don't have talent to come off the bench. Like you, I didn't want to really make like, the statement out, if, outright. If Connor Rufo and Curtis Lochner were good, they would have played in the last three games, right? Like They're walk-ons. Ingles beat has only played them in garbage time. They're not going to play. They're not They're not an option. And relative to some guys on the street, they're very good. I mean, yeah. Not to no, trash Curtis them as... Curtis Lochner would, would light me up. Not to trash them as players. I've seen him warm up. He can shoot, but he's just small. But and you're, he's just not going to rel- compete Relative the to the CAA, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've also seen Ryan Allen play one-on-one, and 
I would not get a shot off. You know, like there's that's the difference between them. Maybe I get a shot off on Lochner, but it's not going in. I forget where I was. <laughs> maybe if you get a maybe if you get a friendly role. Maybe <laughs> maybe, but I mean, there's just nowhere to turn until Cushing comes back. These are your seven guys, and they haven't even played Johnson very much, so they're six guys, and, and they're they're talented. They can maybe win some games, but I don't think long term this is how you envision this season going. And they're gonna run out. These guys are gonna run out, like run just, out of gas down the street. Yeah, it feels like they're just holding on now for dear life till the tournament starts. Here's a question: Do you, with this situation, with knowing your full potential is not going to be realized without Anderson, do you pull back the reins on some of the other younger guys too in, a, in an attempt to say our best years are going to come in the future? Do you intentionally say, Ryan Allen, you're maybe our best offensive th- scorer right now, but we're not going to play you 39 a game. We're going to play you 30 because we have to have you next year ready to go. Or do you still kind of manage each game to win well, that you individual can, you, game? You can get best of both worlds. Maybe get him ready for CAA because, again, everyone plays in the CAA tournament. Maybe you just take the seeding and um, let's play 40 minutes in the in the tournament. Maybe you get ready for that. I don't think you can, quote-unquote, do like a tank. I don't think that's – I don't think you can do – especially at the college level, I don't think that's fair to some of these guys who have maybe just guaranteed four years and they're out. So again, I don't like that. I don't. Uh, I like that idea. If maybe you're kind of getting ready for the CAA playoffs, and you're kind of like, well, you know, we might not get this first round by. Let's just get ready for the CAA playoffs and yeah. let's go 100 percent in. But to completely pack it in and tank, I think that's just. Uh, I don't think that's fair, and it doesn't feel like what Inglesby would think do. Yeah, I, I mean, he he's talked about needing to bench Ryan Daly, and then he's played him. 38, 39, 40 minutes, both this year and last. He he plays these guys to win the game. Again, if you if you don't mind dropping a game or two and you want to go in the reserves, maybe get ready for that CAA playoffs. I understand. But, yeah, and that's why I asked earlier my initial question. I think that at some point, Rufo or you know, Lochner might need to get some minutes because he said it last year, and forget this year, he said it last year. He said he can't be playing Ryan Daly 40 minutes a game, and he really can't. Really shouldn't be, and he. I'm sure he said that with the hope that he'd have other players to go sure. to. Yeah, right. Fortunately, one of them's out for the season, but there and are another guy got kicked off the team. Right, you you would give another guy get kicked off the team. And team another hurt, another yeah. guy's got a nose problem. I mean, <laughs> there, there's there's issues going on right now. So I right, you you don't expect kicking a guy off your team when you start the year, like under any circumstance, and. At least since I've been here, I don't think Delaware's ever had this many injuries. Not not to make excuses, but to key players, I don't think we've seen key players go down for an extended period of time in the last couple of years. I know two years ago, Marvin King Davis didn't play in the CAA tournament, but he played most of the season. Last year, I think they pretty much had everybody healthy throughout the year. They were still thin, but that was just because of who they had. You know, they were just playing you know, daily 40 minutes to stay alive. And then this year, you lose Anderson, which is just huge. They're 8-7, and seven, which puts them somewhere in the middle of the CAA, 1-1 one one in, the, in the conference. And Charleston, who they just played, is the best team, the, the pick, to win the CAA. I wasn't watching that game. I know you were following it, Brandon. They, they were competitive for a while. What, yeah. what Was it just keeping with the team that's better than you that's difficult to do the whole time? Yeah, I mean, at some point... You have to make a stop, and it was just tough to do that for the defense. Charleston shot over 60%. Delaware shot over 50%, but they just couldn't hang with them down the stretch. And you can't really blame them, at least in this game in particular, because Charleston has the most offensive threats that any team will have. Cho Chile, CAA preseason player of the year, 29 points in this one, 8 of 12 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. Not much you can do about that. Then they have Brantley inside. He was CAA Rookie of the Year before Ryan Daly. He's a monster inside. Tough matchup against a four, but they also play with a big five. So that was a difficult thing for the Blue Hens to counter with Daly and Bryant defensively. And then Grant Riller, who was a freshman last year, now a sophomore, he can fill it up in the backcourt. Marquise Pointer off the bench. This this team has a lot of different options, kind of like UNCW last year. So they're just tough to defend and tough to to match offensively point for point for 40 minutes, and eventually Delaware's offense ran out of steam. Let me know if you disagree with this, but I think at this point, the not exactly the hope, but 
maybe where this team needs to strive to be is to avoid. Of course, we saw what Kevin Anderson has done for this team when he was healthy, but I think that this team needs to try to get away from however much they can, even if it's difficult with a limited supply of players available. But as long as they can stay away from the quote-unquote daily show, I don't know if they've had a daily show this season, but stay away from the Ryan Daly shooting, shooting, shooting. I think we've already seen Ryan Allen start to do his thing a little bit. But if they can provide a little balance, if anything, we know that they have some different options to go to, and maybe that will give them some hope to maybe be, still be competitive. I'm not looking at Anderson going down as this death threat that they're completely gone to be competitive with anything, but it's very hard when you see how they played with him compared to where they've been the last, especially last couple games um, when they scored re- lower points without him. I agree. Yeah, I think that's... Well, the only counter-argument I put to that is if we get this Ryan Daly show, how... And, and, and it works. How far can we legitimately take it? We saw last year the, the playoff run, the playoff push. It was pretty much just the Ryan Daly show when we played competitive basketball games. If it gets to the season, if we have the Ryan Daly show again, but this time with a Ryan Allen little side kind of show next to him, can we have... Because when we had the Ryan Daly show last year, it was Ryan Daly and no one and, else. And I'm, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. When they won against Hofstra... Eric Carter was coming into his own at the end of the season, and Anthony Mosley put up 20-plus point performances. I believe double digits against Hofstra, 20-plus against UNCW. Ryan Daly was by far the number one option. He played 40 minutes in the tournament. But there were other guys who, in that big win against Hofstra, did step up. And Ryan Daly is a very good player. He's still the best player on this team. I know we talked about that weeks ago. He definitely is still the best guy with Anderson out. He's not good enough to score 25 points a game. Well, the, what, so what, that would be the show to me is him having the ball in his hand every single possession, shooting 20 times a game, five assists, 10 rebounds, and he's not at that level yet. But the one thing we took away from all of those games, and our biggest talking piece from all those games is – what Ryan Daly did. So that's what I'm saying. If we end up getting games where all we're talking about is Ryan Daly scoring and all that offense that he brought up, if we get that again, but now we have a Ryan Allen to go along with him. We had an Eric Carter who had one of his better games kind of going along with him. We might, there is a possibility where that can actually work for one or two competitive games down the stretch. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. How about the James Madison Dukes? They're in the national championship for the second year in a row against North Dakota State, mm-hmm. the Bison, right? Yes. That's Carson Wentz's home? Yes, it or is. Or previous home, of course. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, well, obviously. Yeah. They, <laughs> you guys will be going there next year, right? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. That's that's right. The Delaware is going there. Did you book? September you were 22nd. Supposed to, you, you guys were supposed to book the hotel. Did you do Yeah, it? we still need to do that. Okay. Although, I must say, Perfection if, takes we, time. if we do it in January, that's still pretty far in advance to September. But that's supposedly their homecoming weekend, and I imagine there's not much to do in North Dakota. So when there is something to do... They're saying the same thing about us right now. People go hard for it. So it's supposedly going to be really busy that weekend. Business and pleasure. A little bit of both. And did you know, did you know that Carson Wentz's brother is on this team, Connor Wentz? What position? Not quarterback. I don't know what position he plays. He said he didn't That's get any advice from Carson Wentz about the national championship. Said that Carson Wentz is kind of hands off, lets him be his own guy. As you can imagine, Carson Wentz is kind of like the poster child of North Dakota State football. I don't think Connor Wentz is as favorite good. child of the family. <laughs> yeah, we've never heard of Connor Wentz. <laughs> yeah, until today. That's what I heard. I've about. heard a few Connor Wentz. <laughs> don't sell yourself. If mom short. didn't call him, dad. I mean, we're in Philadelphia. Leave him, leave us alone. But, I, but Carson's not even playing. <laughs> yeah, he's got some things. I mean, he, yeah. But he could contact sure. his brother if he needed to. Yeah. The last year we were, I remember us talking about this a year ago today or whenever it was, and we were trying to say like, hey, do you root for the team that's like coming from your conference? And I will say, without a doubt, one hundred percent, I feel a strong inclination to root for JMU. I think that's we should fair. disclose your brother goes to JMU. 
My brother does go to JMU, but that has very, is that, is that very, very little influence. Hardly any. I actually didn't know this, Teddy. <laughs> if he, it is, I mean, he's not. He, he's a fan. He'll go to the games, but he he's not as into it as. I mean, I probably know more about their but Brandon, team than be, he does. Okay. Brandon, gotcha. be honest right now. When UNCW was facing off against Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament, who are you voting for? Who are you rooting for? I exactly. picked it's UNCW, just, and I almost got it right, too. I mean, okay, but this is different. That's the first round. This but still, it's, just, it's one of those and things you root for. this is a team that has the longest active winning streak at this level ever. I don't okay. know. I just feel like I, I've, I've reflected on them a little bit, and we're, we're in all your Delaware first, new upgrades, athletic facilities, et cetera, et cetera. They have to be considered Delaware's role model. You think Chrissy Raywalk and everybody down there yeah. is looking over to JMU and looking up high because that right now is what we're trying to reach. So, And they do it all right. So I see yeah. that, and I say, hey, Try to follow their lead and root for them to do it again. The better they are, it makes the CAA better. It makes Delaware sound better. It, it it's all True. it's all a, a trend. True. Is and your bro- is your brother um, going to the game? It's in Frisco, Texas. Are oh. you kidding? No way. <laughs> He's he. Uh, the question is: Is he driving from Maryland back to Virginia to to watch it with friends, or is okay. he just watching it at home? I think he said. Yeah, that's he, what a med I think he was. <laughs> I think he was going <laughs> to something along those lines. But I mean. It should be a really good game yeah, again. And yeah. definitely. I mean, this, this I think, is a better matchup than last year. Last year, they were up against Youngstown State, who was a surprise team. This is North Dakota State, who, before JMU, was the dynasty of the FCS. They'd won two straight titles. I think they'd been there three of the four years before JMU got in. Carson Wentz, a big part of that. Carson Wentz is probably the best quarterback to come out of the FCS level. Sorry, Joe Flacco. So that... I mean, this is the dynasty up against the Wait, you put you're putting Carson Wentz over Joe Flacco? I just did, yeah. Where's Mike Baumel? Uh, where's my hot take button? And so you have, you know, the established team versus this up-and-coming team. JMU knocked them out last year in the semifinals. It's a really interesting matchup. And it's the first time in a long time that it's been number one and number two. Can JMU's we flip it? one, ND State's Can two. we flip it a little bit? What if... I, I kind of want North Dakota State to win a little bit, too. So when you guys go next year... You can say you're playing playing a defending champion. Because they're not playing Uh, JMU next year. Exactly. But Teddy is talking more long-term, CAA, JMU, all that. I like like the attention that comes with it. But I would love for you guys to cover next year uh, a defending champion matchup. I can see see where you're going with that. Mm -hmm. That's the perspective of, oh, this would be a fun— they also covered Virginia Tech, and they played a top team. So, I mean, come on now. How many? I'm are, getting a little stingy, I mean, but, you know. We get around. How many top teams? <laughs> Virginia Tech. Hey, hey, but did anybody go up to Portland, Maine to cover the Bears? I mean, that talk about an experience. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess. All right, Teddy. <laughs> All right. Um, also, did you call J- JMU a forming dynasty? Yeah. I mean— why okay. didn't you? Why did you hold on to that? <laughs> I mean, they have the why longest did, active winning streak was, at this level. I don't. How can they, you? I don't, I don't know how you define CAA a dynasty team to go back to back national champions. They're the first CAA team to win back to back titles this decade in just the CAA. But it's only it's not, it's two years. Like is yeah. that is that a dynasty? But if it's if you win now and then you go into next year with this winning streak. Aren't we thinking dynasty after that? I think like we can say. I think run? we can say there. I mean, there's different levels of dynasty. You know what I mean? Like field hockey like for blue hens. No, that's not a five <laughs> CAA champion. You know no. what I mean? I'm, I I hate to do this, but the I mean, blue hens field hockey team hot, is is not. They're not a dynasty for Delaware. They are. I mean, there's different <laughs> levels the of dynasty. We we're saying we're saying different levels no, of dynasty. I'm we're sorry. They're, we're saying relative to the you know other I mean? teams in your league. They won the national championship once. <laughs> if JMU wins the national championship twice, that's really really good. But I mean. You look at, like, who is a dynasty in sports? The Patriots are a dynasty. They don't just win it twice. They win it multiple times. Like, are the Golden State Warriors a dynasty? Like, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call them a dynasty. Is there a dynasty in baseball right now? Probably not. Is there a dynasty in hockey right now? Penguins? I don't know. They're on the fringe of it. So, I feel like it takes a little bit more to reach dynasty status. But does it, is there a difference between the professional leagues and the college level? Like, Alabama's a dynasty. Okay. They are a dynasty. Okay. Especially so if they win on how Monday. Many, how many, then, would make it a dynasty for you? If they win t- on Saturday— got to beat a four. You, you have to make it to four. 
make it to four? I think you have to make it to four to be to be even considered Michael a Jordan dynasty. didn't even make it to four. He needed two <laughs> times to make it to four. I'm not saying you have to make four consecutively. Okay. okay. I'm saying you can make four in five years, four it's in six. Just, that's just sure. so hard to do Cons- because yeah. all yeah. Of that, those that's players, what a, a dynasty is. Four years, you went. You, this you, class is going to go yeah. every single time. But it's not about the class. It's about the coaching, management, leadership, and administration. People on Twitter it's really need to start talking what a dynasty is. The class. I want to know what other people's definition like, of dynasty is. Will JMU be able to make it back next year without Brian Shore? If they don't, they're Maybe not a dynasty. Maybe not, they're, so if, then they're not a dynasty. No, then they this just, wasn't a dynastic run? A, a, a dynastic run is is led like by... three or four years ago into the playoffs? To me, a dynastic... Like, like, that's a hell of a Nick, word. Listen, Nick Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, those are figures that lead dynasties. Sidney Crosby is a figure that leads a dynasty. Mike Houston and Brian Shore are not figures that lead a dynasty. If Mike Houston continues to get a quarterback Mike to Mike Houston's pro- the head coach of the, Yes, yeah. thanks. Um, but this could just be a really good two-year run. I don't at all minimize what they're doing. I think it's awesome what they're doing. But, Historic. But it's not dynasty status all right this is a great conversation i'd love to get to dynasties and uh, i mean it is you said it's a it's just a very cool word it's a cool concept so in sports it's very hard to gain dynasty status but then in the fcs maybe that's what a dynasty for, is for me it's just a lot simpler i was giving you a hard time with the number but for me it's if how many years you're basically i guess the word to use is untouchable where no one can touch you. They almost no one lost can a couple weeks compete, ago, so they're no not No one can compete against you. And I don't 100% agree with um, uh, Brandon calling Jamie a dynasty. I was just kind of looking at your term. And again, I don't agree with Brandon. I like the hot take. I don't agree with it, but <laughs> I, I like it. Um, but it's just one of those Thanks things. How long are you really untouchable? I don't think JMU's untouchable. I think they're elite. But now we're just getting into the Stephen A. Um, words of vocabulary and dictionary of elite, you know, dynamic all these words but i like i like the i like the conversation you guys just had because it it, it is a very fine line well right now they are an elite team i mean <laughs> elite is fine but not everybody i guess you could say is uh, we're not about to ra- ra- do a vocabulary yeah. ranking here Jake, i got you, you. To say something. yeah so i, I looked you. up what the biggest dynasties in college sports and bleacher report had an article of the mo- 20 as best of, dynasties as of where they put it out in 2016 was the year that they released this article. Before JMU could even be considered a dynasty. The uh, top two college sports sure dynasties. On number one. <laughs> Honorable mention, JMU. <laughs> number one was Alabama football. Sure. Number two, University of Connecticut women's basketball. That's a, dynasty, that's, yeah. that's a dynasty. Yeah, that's a dynasty. That's, dynasty. That's like the best team ever in that sport. University <laughs> of Minnesota women's hockey. So, University of Minnesota women's hockey made the list. Give him credit. Um, <laughs> other teams that made the list, Crimson Tide football from like 1961. Stanford tennis is pretty good. But yeah. uh, Tennessee women's basketball from 99, from all the oh, 1990s. These are, like, these are not just 20 current dynasties. Oh, no, they're the 20 all best time. dynasties of all time. Like Duke basketball, UNC basketball. They well, I think there's like one or two dynasties at a time, like current. There's not that That's many. That's what a dynasty. Yeah. Like, you like don't Iowa have a men's dynasty. wrestling from 1975 to 2000. Can, We're stretching can, now. Can JMU be considered a dynasty if they presume dominance over this conference and not necessarily in the national landscape? But here's the thing. Why can't the CAA just declare this a dynasty? Like, why do right, we like have to can, go? Can If they win you know I mean? four straight CAA championships, yeah. but the next two years they get bounced in the playoffs after a game or two, is that a dynasty or do you have to be at the height is it a CAA dynasty level. or is it like a national because, dynasty? Because we don't see this type of sustained excellence in the CAA. Even though it's just two years, we don't see this happen often at all. And we, we typically don't ever see an undefeated CAA team because there's so much parity in this league. If they can continue to do that, can you deem them a dynasty on this stage? Even though, okay, without Brian Shore next year, they're maybe not favorites for the national championship. I feel like a dynasty is an exclusive club. <laughs> like the, I mean, to go historical here, the dynasty came from China a long time ago when you had the Ming Dynasty, the Shang it's Dynasty. The magic this is school just bus. Off the dome. It's literally the magic school bus right I, now. The Ming Dynasty, the Shang Dynasty, the Zhao Dynasty, the emperors. The, the the dynasty is is a ruler, a controller, a, untouchable. It's something bigger than yourself. A dynasty is not just. Oh, I'm better than a, a a dynasty. Is I am the peak. the 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 Ming Dynasty and and the the the, the dynasties in China were the peak of the, the entire 
eastern side of the globe. We have to consider JMU in a national landscape. We can't say they're a dynasty if they just beat a couple CAA so, teams so who then, are not very good, so is, who didn't is, even deserve to make the tournament in New Hampshire. Is, <laughs> is UConn wow. then not a dynasty because they don't presume over half the globe? <laughs> UConn, uh, obviously, we're not. Yeah, but UConn has not, dominated women. We're not in the days of the Ming you know, Dynasty they, anymore. They dominated a gender. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. So it's okay, the whole. Yeah. You like, know what I mean? You can't dynasty, say yeah, the Patriots yeah. are a dynasty because they win the AFC East. That would be similarly to saying the Pittsburgh Steelers are a dynasty because they win that division almost every single year. Of course, nobody would say the Steelers are a dynasty. They say they're a very good, consistently good team. But if JMU does it a couple years in a row now, I think we could start to talk about it. We could start to talk about if it. If the Patriots are the dynasty, then the Giants well, the, are we the... Already, we already started to talk about Patriots, it. It's too late for that. The Giants are the, the Ming Zhu, the, the, the downfall of the dynasty. <laughs> the two losses for Tom Brady. Anybody else have anything on this? Anybody have a map? <laughs> <laughs> this has went from talking about, are we going to root for JMU? <laughs> to sit down, let me teach you a history lesson. It's the Magic School Bus. We're on a ride right now. All I'm saying is I feel that dynasties are, Teddy, in, in, in a way, perspective. Teddy Gelman or Teddy Atlas from, yeah, like, from ESPN? Do, do you, if you see like, the Patriots being a dynasty because oh, they've God. won the AFC so many times, fine. If you see JMU a dynasty, it's, it's, how, it's also how we look at it. Us being CAA teams that are looking at JMU because JMU has won this many times, I think it's fair to get, call them a dynasty. But it's all... Again, we got our little history lesson. We could talk about this forever, so we'll call, call a timeout. An hour and stop 15 the, minutes behind yeah, schedule. Yeah, stop the dynasty there. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage Podcast. We're going to get into Wild Card Weekend now in the NFL. The matchups we're looking at are two in the AFC and two in the NFC. Of course, Vikings and the Eagles on buys in the NFC and the, Pan- the Patriots excuse me, and the Steelers on buys in the AFC. Saturday, Titans-Chiefs, Falcons-Rams, Sunday, Bills-Jaguars, Panthers-Saints. When we look at these games, let's first, before we dive into these games right here, of the four teams that have a bye, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Patriots, the team that will benefit most from that bye is who? I think it's without a doubt the Eagles coming into the playoffs off a loss against the Cowboys in which they did play the backups for the majority of the game and then a very sloppy win before that against Oakland. This team has a lot to figure out during the bye week. In the 11 games with Carson Wentz this season, the Eagles had a league-leading 31.8 points per game. Since then, they're down to 17.6 points per game. They've also been horrendous on third down in which they were the best team with Carson Wentz. Without him, they would grade out as the worst team in the NFL based on what they did in those three games, converting just 23% of the time on third down. I think they need to simplify the offense to get Nick Foles comfortable. They've already started to go back to 2013 game tape and look at what he did well, see how they can bring that into this offense, and then establish the running game. The Eagles have only had one game this season in which they had a 100-yard rusher that was way back in Week 4 at L.A. against the Chargers. I think they need to get it on the ground this week 30 to 40 times and establish the running game early, or excuse me, two weeks from now when they'll play against whoever it is uh, to get Nick Foles comfortable in play action. It could be J.H.I.E., it could be Corey Clement, Blunt. They have a lot of options. They need to get the ground game going because that's also been slow in the last couple of weeks. The defense is great. They're going to keep them in a game, but can Nick Foles deliver when it comes down to it at the end that's the big question that they need to figure out this week i'm gonna go another without a doubt here i think it's the pittsburgh steelers i mean the biggest question mark for the pittsburgh steelers right now is antonio brown and there are very few teams that can lose so much steam without one player you saw the giants lose it with odell and if the steelers don't have antonio brown they're not really the the Three B threat anymore? They're just oh, sorry. The four B threat. Sorry, Chris Boswell. Don't ever the disrespect three, the kicker like three that. Three B threat. If they don't have Anton, and they talked to a couple of players, a bunch of players were like 100 percent confident he's coming back. Mike Tomlin said if the Steelers were playing this week, he'd be listed as questionable. If this this extra week can get Antonio Brown out on the field, that's huge for the Steelers. So I think this bye week is so rewarding for. Not only the team as a whole, any team getting rest, but especially nursing that calf injury back with Antonio Brown. 
I got to say, without a doubt, the Eagles, and I'm going to piggyback everything Brandon just said. I agree with everything he just said. But to put it very straightforward, Nick Foles is looking like trash, okay? He needs that time to, I don't know whether he's hurting mentally, physically. He just he's kind of looks out of rhythm a little bit. I'm still glad he is the, was the backup option for Carson Wentz, just knowing that system. I think he will be okay. With that being said, he doesn't need to be good or great. He just needs to be okay. He needs to manage the game. And he needs those those extra seven days, and I think that those will pay dividends for him, and he just needs to really just look at tape. I think physically, I think he's fine. You know, he's able to make a lot of throws and kind of hang in the pocket. Again, the running backs are now well-rested. Ajayi didn't play, so he's well-rested. But um, Nick Foles need to, he needs to sharpen up just a little bit. Again, the, the Eagles don't need him looking like prime time, but they need him just to be you know, average at best and let the Eagles take over on all the other facets of their game. Jake, I think out of the AFC teams, the Steelers need it more than the Patriots, but I can't go anywhere other than Philadelphia here. Yeah. That's the team that has a bye that has the most questions because it's just one big question because the rest of the team we know is very good. So I'm going to go Eagles here as well. The team that needs to buy the most after or heading to, into the divisional round. And uh, home field. Exactly. The most overrated team playing this weekend in wildcard round is who? Atlanta Falcons. Mm. I have 0% faith in the Atlanta Falcons in this postseason run. Atlanta Falcons have superstars in Matt Ryan. They have superstars in Devonta Freeman. They have perhaps one of the most talented pass catchers we're going to see in Julio Jones. But they cannot get it to work. They should not be in the playoffs right now. They should not have a playoff seating. This team is one of the most overrated teams that I can see. The only reason that I will give this team a smidgen of hope is if Matt Ryan can have that Julio Jones project, like, mind connection that they have every once in a while, and Julio Jones can put up a superstar game. Devonta Freeman's hurt. Tevin Coleman is a slow guy out of the backfield. He's an okay passing batch. This Atlanta Falcons team, if they get any of these star defenses, if they happen to win this week and go up against, let's say, the Eagles, the Eagles are going to totally stop them on the defensive end. And Matt Ryan will have no other choice but throw to, like, Mohamed Sanu, who's not a bad option, but he's not what he they want to do out of this. I think it's going to get a little heat in here because our next question is, who's the most underrated team playing this weekend? And I have written down the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan this year quietly was still sixth in the NFL in passing yardage, fifth in QBR, Julio Jones, second in the league in receiving yards, 1,444. They had problems earlier this season in the red zone with him. I think when it comes down to it, they're going to throw the ball to Julio Jones when they need to. Devontae Freeman missed a lot of this season with an injury. He's back. He looked good last week against Carolina. I think Tevin Coleman is also a elite running back. I don't think he's slow coming out of the backfield. Both of those guys are versatile. You can line them up outside or in the backfield. And if it comes down to it, Matt Ryan to Mohamed Sanu, that can get it done against the Rams. Or Mohamed Sanu to Matt Ryan. The Eagles. They yeah, have a out, lot. out of most players, I can throw the ball. Mohamed Sanu can't throw the <laughs> this football. This team has a lot of offensive weapons. It yeah. didn't click earlier this year, but we can't forget what they did last year. We named Matt Ryan the MVP, was just under 5,000 yards. This Falcons team was up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, and most of this team is back with the biggest loss being Kyle Shanahan, their offensive play caller. But, I mean, I can't ignore the talent that this team has coming into the playoffs. If they win this week against the Rams, they're going to have a lot of momentum coming from a win and your end game against the Panthers, a win against the Rams, and then heading to Philadelphia, and then beyond that to probably Minnesota or New Orleans. It could be a dangerous team in my opinion. But, great, that was a great point. Your your most uh, overrated team. Yeah, so my overrated team... This is also going to get Jacob's. I'm going with the Jaguars because I don't have confidence in Blake Bortles. He coming into this playoffs, five interceptions in the last two games. Leonard Fournette is slowing down a little bit. He's dealt with injuries. He's back. He looks good. I get it. The defense is great, but I don't have faith in Blake for- Blake Bortles in a big game with his receiving options right now. I think the Buffalo game is fine, but up against a Pittsburgh or a New England, I don't think. Jacksonville stands a chance. Their defense is great, but they're not going to hold the Patriots or the Steelers to their average right now of 16.8 points per game. And I don't think Blake Bortles is going to light up the scoreboard. And if he does, he's going to be also throwing a lot of interceptions. Let me mix it up a little bit. We'll stay in that division. I'll go with the Tennessee Titans. 
I didn't really like the way Mariota has been playing this year. To be fair, he's also been hurt. I just you look at down the stretch they played some game uh, games against the Cardinals, got outplayed by Garoppolo in uh, San Francisco. I just again nine and seven team. They didn't win the division, obviously. They got the wild card, but I just don't like the way that they have been playing. Not very many weapons. You got Delaney Walker, sure, but. I guess they just kind of willed their way into the playoffs. I don't really trust them, and I really don't trust them, especially in Arrowhead. I know Kareem Hunt and company are really back, and I think that I don't want to make picks, but I, I think that's going to be a tough matchup against the Chiefs. But I, I don't know. I think I would I would I would be okay if the Tennessee Titans weren't in the playoffs. Well, I'm going to say they're overrated too, and I'm going to say they're overrated because they shouldn't be in at all. They have beaten this season. Only one team that's in the playoffs, and it's the Jags. Okay, give them credit. They beat the Jags twice, and they beat them by a total of what? Five plus uh, 19. They beat them by a total of 24 points. And they've lost to the Raiders, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Cardinals. I mean, this is a team. They that, almost lost to the Browns. They though. almost lost to the Browns. This is an incredibly in, an incredibly <laughs> inconsistent team who has played an incredibly easy schedule and has gotten thumped by some good teams. This team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. And going back to my whole thing about these stinker games and wildcard weekend, I don't want to watch the Titans in the playoffs. We'll get to that game in a bit. But um, with that being said, you you, you you play the cards you're dealt with. and sh- Sure. You, a lot of credit for them just to, just to be here. They won a game they needed to win. Give them credit. They beat yeah. the Jags. They yeah. got in. They got help from AFC teams that I and Jake and I— I don't know if you guys too thought were better. Baltimore should have beat Oh, Baltimore Cincinnati. should definitely be a playoff I, team the, right the, now. The Chargers are better than all of these wild card teams. They started 0-4. The Chargers are better. A disappointing yeah. finish. All right, Brandon, you said it was the Falcons for the most underrated team. Jake, who do you have? I'm going to go with the Carolina <laughs> Panthers. Time out. He doesn't get He doesn't get to explain it because no, he already I, explained I, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I already gave that I'm just messing with I'm you. but I, just, I could give him time if I he thought wants. it was funny no, how he was like, Brandon, you're all set. I already gave my soliloquy on the Falcons. I'm going to say the most underrated team team here and they're not even fully underrated but I'm gonna go the Carolina Panthers here Ooh, okay. for the sole fact that they have a player named Greg Olson who dropped a hundred and fifty yards coming back from injury Cam Newton's top target their number one wide receiver right now is Devin Funches he's not a number one wide receiver yeah so you now have Greg Olson who is Cam Newton's historic top target they are the number four team in the league in rushing yards they have a duo backfield of christian mccaffrey who has made a case for rookie of the year i don't think he wins it but he's made a case and then you have jonathan stewart on the other side of the ball who is known he's just a steady rusher no i don't think christian mccaffrey wins the rookie of the year award but he's made a case don't think he wins it uh, a small case this carolina panthers team is and out of the division the saints overshadowed them and i think rightfully so I think this Panthers team is going to get a really tough game against the Saints, and I actually, and again, not making picks, but I think the Carolina Panthers have a shot. Does do the Rams count? Can I pick the Rams? I think the Rams are already picked. That's no, what I was thinking, but I think the Rams underrated. are already a good team. I, look, they obviously not getting attention. There is their first time in the in the playoffs in a while, and the whole Los Angeles move and. Um, kind of how their season started out wasn't really the best. They they were an okay team that went from good and then to great. I just think the way Gurley's playing and the way Goff is playing and what this team can be, I kind of um, am just taking this one on uh, the wave, just the, the pure um, the pure kind of run they've been on. I'm taking that. I like the way the Rams have been playing. I think they're not getting talked about enough, and I think if you're in Los Angeles, that's fine with me. But I'll take them as an underrated team who could uh, maybe be there in uh, the NFC Championship game, possibly. You never know. I'm going to take the Bills. I don't think this Bills team has a shot to the Super Bowl, but I do think this Bills team is underrated because a lot of people didn't think they'd get in. They won four of their last six games. The only two losses to the Patriots. The not They weren't really close games, but that's where I'm going with this. I don't think they would beat the Patriots, but out of these teams in the Wild Card weekend, I think they're underrated. They beat the Chiefs earlier. If they get their quarterback situation figured out. Say, Peterman didn't help. They've got some skill players. Um, I think the Bills could. McCoy doesn't play. I was going to say. It, it is actually a decent Sure, but I'm not going to make ultimate Matums here, you know, but but I agree that's a that's a that, that hurts. Right, that hurts. All right, real quick, I got a minute for this one. The team playing this weekend that is most likely to make a run to the Super Bowl is who? I'm going to go with the Rams. I think that Todd Gurley has been phenomenal. I think Jared Goff has actually done really well. But the thing about the Rams that is talked about, but not really on the the 
top of the list here is the Rams' special teams. They have the second most kick return yards in Farrow Cooper. They have Greg Zerlin, who had the most points for any kicker that's, in the that's NFL. That's Fisher days, baby. There, it is. Zerlin's out though. Right, yeah. So yeah. then they brought in this new guy, but still up up to date of Zerlin getting out. Their special teams mm-hmm. has been, and the guy that came in missed one kick, but yeah, I digress. Um, this team is. Very good all around. Their defense with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is a one-man show. He's he's in that category of the Von Millers and the Khalil Max of talent and J.J. Watt on the defensive end. If they can get Cooper Cup, Sammy Watkins, and even Robert Woods on the offensive end going and then just let Todd Gurley do his thing, his MVP strut, his MVP case, I really like this Rams team. I think this Rams team is going to do really well. I'll go Falcons. Matt Ryan was just there last year. They got some weapons. I don't know why some of you guys don't like Mohamed Sanu or, or uh, Julio Jones, Jake. But not that I don't like some Julio of you guys. Jones. No, it's not that I don't like Julio Jones. It's that, and it, we have seen that Matt Ryan yeah. keeping the ball to Julio Jones multiple times has worked. And I, mm-hmm. I can tell you if it, if that gets to the point right now for the Rams, I'd be scared for the Rams. Just Matt Ryan heaving it to Julio Jones. I just don't have any faith that that is enough to carry them. I'll give them a chance. I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, they do it in all facets. Defensively, they're great, top 10 in the league. Drew Brees is still one of the best three quarterbacks in the league. And then you add in what they have in the backfield. I think it's the best backfield in football. It'll be tough for them to go on the road, but they're an improved team from the last couple of years. Sean Payne, also one of the best coaches in the NFL right now. I've got the Saints, too, and this one's pretty easy for me. To Drew Brees, I'm sorry, Matt Ryan fans, Drew Brees, best quarterback in the NFC playoffs here um I, I love their running game i love their defense i love the way this team is playing they're very underrated they're flying under the radar i'm picking the saints as the most likely team in the wild card round to make the this Super is Bowl. the first time where two running backs on the same team are in top five rushing categories in the nfl this is the first time a playoff team has had two running backs so it's going to be hard to control both kamara and mark ingram you're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. A whirlwind of coaching changes either right before the final day of the NFL season, on the final day, or in the day or two after. Here's the rundown. Bruce Arians from the Cardinals retires. John Fox from the Chicago Bears, he's fired. In the same division, Jim Caldwell from the Detroit Lions, he's fired. In the AFC, Chuck Pagano from the Colts, fired. In Oakland, Jack Del Rio, after a very disappointing season with the Raiders, fired. And then, of course, Ben McAdoo, ben McAdoo in, the, in New York with the Giants, fired before the end of the season. Six coaches gone. Out of these six, did any of these coaching, coaching changes surprise you? Uh, not really, besides kind of Chuck Pagano, because he is dealing with a sunken ship. He came into a sunken ship with Andrew Luck not even seeing the field this year. He has Jacoby Brissett, who's not—I shouldn't dish Jacoby Brissett that bad because he was serviceable in the quarterback position. But to come in, you have—you basically built your entire team around Andrew Luck. This was Andrew Luck's team. He was supposed to come in when they played that playoff game against the Patriots with Andrew Luck there. They were like, okay, this guy is a, a legit quarterback. And then they came in, Andrew Luck didn't play, and they had to deal with what they had. T.Y. Hilton wasn't successful either. I think you should have gave him one more season, see if they could have figured that out. Let Pagano do what he can in the offseason to try and point the ship in the right direction. I see why they got rid of him. Nothing was really working, but out of everything, I think he was one of the coaches that probably deserved maybe an extra year. I think the counter to that would just be over the course of the last few years, Pagano and the front office haven't necessarily seen eye to eye. So maybe you think, okay, let's just sweep full house, get everybody out, bring in a new staff, who can then build around Andrew Luck. It's an attractive destination for the top minds around football because I think there's no doubt Andrew Luck's a franchise quarterback as long as he's healthy. The problem that they ran into is that they swung and missed in the draft almost every year. They have not put talent around Andrew Luck, at least at talent at a you know high enough volume, to be a perennial playoff team. They put so much on his shoulders, so when you lose him, like you said, the whole team falls apart. They have T.Y. Hilton, but outside of that, offensively, I don't think there's really anybody you look at and you're scared of. Maybe I mean Besides Jack Gore in the Jack backfield. Doyle is okay. Gore is okay. Somehow he's still a productive running back this late in his career. They have the number three overall pick. It is an attractive destination for a head coach. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if they kept him, but I'm also not super surprised that he's gone. So is that your pick, Chuck Pagano, for firing? My pick is who I would fire. No, as just as a justifiable, justifiable firing, or if there's one guy I you'd like to keep. 
justifiable. The one that surprised me the most was Jim Caldwell in okay. Detroit. Mm-hmm. I think just because I wasn't thinking about that as much, I believe they finished nine and seven yep. this year. It was a, it was a disappointing nine and yeah, seven though. It was definitely a disappointing year. But you know, it's easy to look and say, okay, what's Cleveland going to do about their situation? What's New York? You know, you go down the draft order. I just wasn't thinking as much. Okay, what's Detroit going to do? I wasn't thinking that they were going to get rid of them. I like the Lions, and I like the um, what you said, Jake, in uh, the Colts. But just for the sake of argument, I'll, I'll choose a different team. I'll choose the Oakland Raiders. Um, Jack Del Rio, I think, did a fine job in Oakland. Again, disappointing season. Carr did miss three games with a uh, a back injury, but. With that being said, I don't think I'll use the term Jake used one more year. I'd like to see that because again, Oakland will still play. The Raiders will still play in Oakland next year. They're not that Vegas moves happens in 2019. So I think it was just a, a, a really I should say a season ahead of schedule. I'd like to see them kind of stay and see what they can do. It seemed like the team like Jack Del Rio. He was doing a fine job. I think the whole. Um, J- uh, John Gruden thing was kind of interesting as far as offering him ownership and um, really giving him an offer that he couldn't deny. But with all that being said, he, uh, not that Gruden wouldn't make a good coach. It's just he hasn't coached in years. I'd like to see Jack Del Rio get maybe one more year with the Raiders. If you want to start a clean slate in Vegas, do that. But I'd l- I would have liked to see uh, Rio get one more. The uh- uh, predictions for this year, they put out who is being predicted to get fired the most in the head coaching position, and the most votes was actually Todd Bowles for the Jets, mm. but he's mm. locked in, and I think it's justifiable he should be locked in. Number two was Chuck Pagano, and then number three was actually Bruce Arias, which he retired this year. Um, I I don't really agree with that, Bruce Arias, but they I guess the one that people saw coming was this Chuck Pagano firing because, Brandon, like you said, about the front office. And one we really didn't talk about too much was Ben McAdoo. We talked about it so much in the beginning and when it happened. But looking at it, hindsight right now, looking at the Ben McAdoo firing, they talked about we talked about like how it's going on and what happened. I don't really think it really shakes up the water that much for this giant organization. They already brought in a new GM. He's already let two players go. That the GM is coming out and saying, "I'm not taking any of this. I'm cleaning out the locker room. I'm clearing house. We're going to get this team back to where it belongs." So- the back, the McAdoo firing really doesn't mean much in hindsight. Todd Bowles was interesting. Didn't the uh, Jets unload literally everything in the offseason? And for him to finish they the were way he did? They to have one. They had one win in ESPN's projection. They were supposed to go 1 and 15. They it ended up getting five. Unloaded. And about 10 of their losses were mm-hmm. a touchdown or less. It was competitive. And they're in a good position moving forward the as far as lottery Todd condition. Too. So yeah. the, t- the team was so behind him. They played hard for him. They might have a lot of success if they draft well, if the if hypothetically, if Baker Mayfield falls now. in their hands, that team can, I'm not saying they're going to be a Super Bowl team, but that team can be not only as competitive as we saw them this year, but kind of more competitive as we look towards next. I think the quarterback situation could be interesting, as even with uh, Rosen coming out and kind of indirectly saying he doesn't want to play for the Browns. So that's an, also an extended discussion. But again, Darnold, you have who is or isn't, I'm not quite sure, if is going to uh, declare for the he, he NFL draft. He officially declared. Yep. So that's interesting. Darnold, if he's ready or not, you have um, Lamar Jackson. You have some guys who... Uh, Josh Allen from jo- Wyoming, the guy that nobody's seen play, but he's expected to be a top you got pick. some guys. So you have about three, four quarterbacks that the Jets could possibly, uh, possibly secure. Let me give you a couple more names here with coaches. Dirk Cotter in Tampa Bay, there was a consensus that he had done enough to retain that job and get another year along with Jameis Winston. But the one for me that stands out that I want to make sure we hit before we go to break here is Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. That's a team that finished 7-9, and nine, and that's a team that for a number of years either won the AFC— they might have won it one or two years, but otherwise they got into the wild card with Andy Dalton and they seemed to lose in the first round to either the Chiefs or the Texans in that Saturday morning, early afternoon the worst game, game of the, playoffs. the worst game of the wild card weekend. Marvin Lewis went 12 and 4 in 2015, 6 and 9 in 2016, 7 and 9 in 2017, and he's back. That to me stood out as somebody that justifiably could have moved, they could have moved on from. But they're giving him another shot, and that's a team that was looking like they were really going downhill. Then they got some wins toward the end of the season, and Cincinnati in a bit of a state of flux right now. I agree with you. He's been the Bengals coach for 14 years, and they have not had one playoff win. 
we've gone through this carousel with him a couple of times now where he's been up on the chopping block and they decide to extend him. I thought that this was finally the time that they were going to let him go because it had been two years since they made the playoffs. The team had definitely taken a step backward in terms of talent level. You think about them previously having A.J. Green, Marvin Jones, and Mohamed Sanu all in the same receiving core and not doing much with it, and then how the running game deteriorated with Gio Bernard, Hill, and then now this year Joe Mixon never really took off, I think, in a lot of ways, in in ways that people thought he would have. I thought they were going to shake things up and get somebody else in new because 14 years is a lot of opportunities to go deep into the playoffs. And at some point, I think you have to maybe take a gamble. Maybe you go backwards for a year or two in order to take a step forward in the future. Unless your goal is to go 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't know if Marvin Lewis is the best guy. Yeah. He has the longest tenure of head coaches behind Bill Belichick. So they're the two coaches that have been head-leading teams for the longest time. Mike McCarthy and Green Bay also extended one more year. Brandon referenced the Packers could do damage next year with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I feel like a dynasty is an exclusive club. Like the, um, to go historical here, the dynasty came from China a long time ago when you had the Ming dynasty, the Shang dynasty. The magic this is school just bus. Off the dome. It's literally the magic school bus I, right now. The Ming dynasty, the Shang dynasty, the Zhao dynasty, the emperors. The, the the dynasty is is a ruler, a controller, a, untouchable. It's something bigger than yourself. A dynasty is not just. Oh, I'm better than a, a, a dynasty. Is I am the peak. The the, the Ming dynasty and and the, the 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 dynasties in China were the peak of the, the entire eastern side of the globe. We have to consider JMU in a national landscape. We can't say they're a dynasty if they just beat a couple CAA <laughs> so, teams so who then, are not very good, so is, who didn't is, even deserve to make the tournament. In New Hampshire is 